As you may have heard, we have lost our dear pastor, Pastor Richard Mbindawina, and uh, we will give you guidance later on on the program uh, to be followed. Uh, obviously, this is a very emotional moment. I've known uh, my brother for many, many years. In fact, he's one of the founding members of uh, So we, we are still a bit touched. In fact, not a bit, but a lot of uh, uh, deep in our hearts, we are touched. And we, we still have to come to grips with this fact. A few days ago, I was able to sit with him, and he was very jovial and very, very confident that things will be uh, different. But you know, life is not in our hands. It's a mystery. And so we, we have to accept that God has not healed him in the way that we were hoping for, but he has given him total healing. That means he gave him a new body, a resurrection body that is no more affected by tears and pain and disease, but that is free of all that. Uh, I had prepared to speak about uh, the glory of God. And my subject is the God of all grace calls us to eternal glory. Little did I know when I was uh, preparing these, uh, these words that uh, our brother would go to glory uh, with, his, with his master and Lord. So let us uh, turn to the word of God because God's word is able to give us strength, is able to steady our lives, you know, be on our side no matter what we are going through. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10. This is a very, very powerful word. The Bible says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. The God of all grace. That's an amazing word. You know, God is not just the God of grace, but he's the God of all grace. And we will want to maybe touch a few things to let us see the manifold grace of God that has come to us. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Paul is contrasting the time of Moses. You know, when, when God gave uh, Moses the Ten Commandments, it was a glorious moment, a glorious time. In fact, the, the face of Moses was so uh, uh, glorious, shining, that uh, the people could not look at him. And he had, to, he had to cover his face in order for the people to, to be able to come in, into his presence. And so uh, Paul says, for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing or the all-surpassing glory. And if what is fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. And uh, verse 17 in the same uh, chapter, 2 Corinthians 3, 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, <clears throat> For I'm the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful that we can be able to find the solid ground under our feet when we come to your word. The circumstances in this world are so fleeting. So many things are happening around us. We are hearing of wars and rumors of wars. We're hearing of earthquakes. We're hearing of so many things that you have told us about that they are coming. But thank you, Lord, that your word is firm. And yet you are the same. You never change. And so, Lord, we look up to you knowing that we find our refuge in you. We find our strength in you. Lord, we find our comfort in you. You are the God of all grace. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that today we can receive from your grace. Grace upon grace. To you be the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me take these moments to speak about the God of all grace who calls us to eternal glory. Paul had a powerful testimony, and we have just heard that testimony in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. Paul had a different name. He was called Saul, and he was a religious fanatic, a fanatic who was willing to kill for the God that he didn't even know. That's why I, I wrote God with a small g. You know, for him, it was just a, an idol. He didn't have a clue who God is. He wanted to please God, but he didn't know him. He didn't have an idea. He didn't have the plan of God for his own life, nor for other people's life. He was a leader. You know, he, he took initiative to persecute the followers of Christ. And he, he, he went to take a leadership role in, the, in, in, the, in a matter of persecution so that uh, none of the, the people of... Um, uh, who, had, who had come to believe in Christ would be safe and all of them would live in fear. That was his idea. But of course, you know, God has different ideas. And so whatever Saul did in Jerusalem and even beyond, and he even went up to Damascus, which is quite a distance away, uh, he, he tried to, to eradicate the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Little did he have, you know, little did he know what he was doing. Little did he know that one day he would actually be one of the greatest proponents of the church of the Lord. He was present 
at a time when Stephen was, he was the one who was standing by looking at uh, the dying of the first martyr who died for Christ. But God was not holding it against him, okay? And that is the wonderful thing, you know. Uh, when, when we talk about the grace of God, you can always see that God will not hold against us whatever we may have committed or we have done in our past. You know, Jesus was hanging at the cross and people have really hurt him. Can you imagine the people who beat him? That blood came out of his body all over. Can you imagine the pain and the agony that Jesus went through? And as if that was not enough, they now nailed him to the cross, piercing his hands and his feet. And yet, even in this very, very difficult moment, Jesus prayed and says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So in other words, he made a clean slate. He did not say, when I come back, you will see what I will do with you. No, he didn't threaten them. Actually, he says, when I come back, I will start afresh with you. I will not hold anything against you that you have done to me or to anyone, but I will begin afresh, and I give you an opportunity to follow my footsteps. That's the nature of grace. That's the nature of God's love for all of us. That's what we see in the life of Saul. You know, Saul, who was such a fierce fanatic, trying to do maximum damage. Finally, Jesus took things into his own hands, and they appeared to him. He let his light shine around him in such a powerful way that their journey ended right then and there. And he fell on the ground and he was slain with blindness. So, you know, what we must understand is that the journey that often we travel mapping out in our own ideas or in our own strengths will come to an end. And so Saul's journey came to an end in a very shocking way. You know, he started again like a baby. He had to be let. He couldn't see. He couldn't uh, do anything. And he had to be let to somebody's house waiting and for his life. The God of all grace designed him in such a way that he would be a major influential instrument in the building process of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why you should never give up on anyone. You know, maybe you're looking at some people, they may have even hurt you, they may have, you know, been a burden on you. Uh, don't give up on them because you never know what God is going to do in their lives. So keep praying, even for the people who you think there is no more hope for. Because as far as God is concerned, you know, there are no limits of his goodness, of his kindness, of his forgiveness. And the Bible says it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. So God was giving us his grace. And Jesus at the cross of Calvary was 
extending his grace to all of the people who were cheering in hatred, who were trying to see him die as quickly as possible, but he gave them grace. Father, forgive them. And that's how Saul received the grace of the Lord. God had a servant in Damascus where he was seated, waiting to see what would happen next. And he sent his servant to Saul and says, go and, and, and uh, pray for this man who has come here. And of course, Ananias, who heard the words of the Lord, got very frightened because he knew Saul is the one who has the power to persecute the church. And the Lord said, don't worry. He is my instrument. I will use him. You will see transformation happening in his life. What a powerful testimony. So God started using this man who became Paul from somebody who was a Saul, you know, uh, a man full of hatred, a man, uh, you know, breathing fire on the body of Christ. God called him out of this situation of that darkness and transformed his life. And Paul, and Paul says, by, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Hey, that's a very powerful word. Saul could not change himself. Neither can you or me. You know, we are not, we are not able to make ourselves into sweet, humble, loving human beings. Only God's grace can do that. And Paul has been the recipient of God's grace even before he came to know him, even before he would be able to have the eyes opened again, he had received the grace of God, not knowing so, but the grace of God was with him. Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And that's, that's, that's really shocking. That was shocking for Saul because he thought he was doing God a favor. Meanwhile, he was persecuting him. But the testimony of Paul, Saul turned to Paul, is very powerful. By the grace of God, I am who I am. So I'm no longer that, that uh, violent man that I used to be. But now I'm a loving man who seeks all people to be saved. Praise the Lord. He became one of the prime leaders. In fact, he overtook many of the leaders that uh, were already there in the church. And yet, he remained humble and fully dedicated to the Lord. You know, that is grace in action. You can see the grace of God so powerfully, you know, uh, flowing from the life of Paul in everything he does and everything he says. And God gave him a platform like no other, okay? Because most of the New Testament was written by that same man who says, by the grace of God, I am who I am. 
God could use him. And God can use each and every one of us as well. So let God do his work in your life. You know, you may not be a soul. You may not be far away from the heart of God as Saul was. But nevertheless, we cannot change ourselves. You know, we, we cannot tr transform our minds. It must be the work of the grace of God. You know, it must be him who gives us the dedication and the desire to follow him, to walk with him. It's the work of the grace of God. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 5, we read, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will restore, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. The God of all grace. Maybe you're wondering, is there more than one grace? And yes, of course, you know, there is a multiplication, there's a variety of grace that God gives to us. You see, God's grace comes from the glory of God. It's the outflow of the glory of God into our lives. And it comes in so many different fashions, in so many different ways. It's amazing. Okay, there is something that is called common grace. Maybe I will take another time that I speak about it. But common grace is grace that all of us human beings have received. Okay, no matter where we live, no matter where we come from, no matter where we have been, you know, no matter whether we follow Christ or not, we all have received common grace. Okay, the Bible tells us that God lets his sun shine over the God. People would not be. So God's grace is there. Without the grace of God, people would not be able to manage to survive, would not be able to live. So God gives grace to everyone, okay? Just imagine the way God created this earth. As far as we know, there's no, no place like earth, you know, which is a habitat for us human beings. Scientists are always wondering, is there another place somewhere out there in the universe which is like earth where people can live? You know, I don't know why they think like that. Uh, what drives them, I, 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 I just sometimes wonder. Because this is the habitat that God has given to us. Not moon, not Mars, not Venus, not the sun, okay? All of these places, we couldn't live. It's either too hot or too cold. On the sun, we would burn instantly. You know, God has created this planet so that we receive the grace of God. He has fashioned it in a way that we cannot only live here, breathe, because there's an atmosphere, but there is, there is an environment that replenishes our food and constant, constantly grows more and more food and even riches in this world. It's an amazing place. And this is a place that God has given us as mankind, good or bad, to live in, to enjoy. This is common grace for everyone. Then the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And of course, that is grace, common grace to everyone. 
Because Jesus was not given for the good ones, for the good people. Because otherwise he didn't need to come because there were no, no one was good. All of us had gone astray. No, he came for everyone. So that's what we call common grace. And there's so much more. You know, the gifts, the talents, the abilities that we, all of us have. According to the plan and design of God, you know, we have got so amazing things that God has uh, bestowed upon every one of us. And God is the God of all grace. Praise God. As Saul, all of us, we have come into this world as fallen creatures. None of us was righteous when we were born. We all had to go through a process of transformation. And the Bible in Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, I've mentioned it just now, is that it's the grace of God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Okay? God has a desire to live with you and me. Because that's why he created you in the first place. God created us for himself. Many people don't realize that. People think I'm my own boss, I can do what I want. But, you know, if you are buying something for yourself in the shop, then that means you have, you have bought it so that you can use it for yourself. If you, you know, make something, you know, if you make a chair, then it's made for your use so that you sit on it. Okay? And we must understand God made us for himself so that he could be able to share his life, his glory, his kindness, his goodness, his grace with us. That was his desire from the very beginning. And that's why when you look into the first uh, chapters of the word of God, you find that God gave access to Adam and Eve to the tree of life because he wanted to share his life. He wanted to share his glory. He wanted to share his grace with the, the creatures that he had made, the, the, the people that he had made in his own image and likeness. So God is picking us up. And thank God he picked up a man like Saul. And of course, in the process, he picked all of us from one place or the other. Maybe uh, he's still in the process of picking you. Okay, whatever the situation is, he is starting a good work in us. And that good work will continue throughout our lifetime. You know, a lot of people get, get the, the life with Christ wrong. They think, okay, I got saved, and that's it. Actually, when you are saved, it's just like you open the door, or let me say not you open the door, but somebody opens the door for you because it's God who opens the door for you into his wonderful new space of goodness, kindness, and love. And then you enter into this new uh, environment and you're saying, wow, wow. You look around and say, hey, this is powerful. And you rejoice in in finding Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you rejoice in the love of God. And, and, and this is really glorious. And you know, everybody who is a newborn child of God will, will, will be able to understand, you know, how wonderful this is. 
But unfortunately, many of us, we just remain at the door. Okay? You are just looking around. Oh, this is great. But then there may be a thousand rooms in this building and you are just at the door. Then that means you don't really know the scope, the greatness that is waiting for you. And so God is picking us up and is taking us through many different stages of transformation. Okay? So God has, the God of all grace has called us to his eternal glory in Christ. That's our destiny. And really, when God talks about his glory in Christ, we, we don't really fully understand that because it is so far beyond us. You know, we are limited in our understanding. We are three-dimensional human beings. God is not three-dimensional. God is all-dimensional. Okay? And so glory means it's, there's far more than we can imagine or that we can, you know, uh, ever, ever uh, you know, find answers to. And then he says, after you have suffered a little while. So yes, we go through a process, and the process is a process of suffering because our old nature has to be reformed, has to be changed. Okay, or let me say the old nature has to be buried. And uh, God is restoring our soul. Okay? Uh, I, I love uh, Psalm 23 where David says, He restores my soul. Okay? You know, God has given you a soul that is eternal. That is meant to be with God forever and ever and ever. You know? That has no ending. In fact, when God planned for us, when God created us, he didn't plan for our death. He planned for our life. Death is not plan, the plan of God. Okay? In fact, mankind should never have died. Okay? Think about that. When God created us, he created us to live with him. And he said, okay, if you are not following my my." instructions, my words, if you are disobedient to what I tell you to do, then you will surely die. So in other words, if they would have been connected to the tree of life, connected to the grace of God, you know, connected to all the outflow of the riches of God, death would never have come to mankind. So it came just because we disobeyed. Because we were cut off. We turned our back to the treasures of God. And so God is busy with us. Okay? All these things that disobedience and death has been doing in our life will be overcome. He restores our soul. That soul that was made to live eternally and it does live eternally. The Bible is very clear about it, you know, that we are made with eternity in our heart. That means, you know, we, at, at our heart we are eternal beings. We are an eternal soul that can never die. Our body can die, but our soul cannot die. And even if we reject Jesus, even then our soul will not die. It will go to a place where there will be gnashing of teeth and, 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 and where, where, where there will be uh, the lake of fire. 
Okay, we don't even know what that means, but, uh, you know, it's pretty serious because Jesus talks about it very, very clearly. So we have eternity in our hearts. That eternity will remain. And we will either be with our creator or we will be without him. And everybody without him will be still existing but without the life and the grace and the glory of God. That's why it is so important that we realize God's plan for our lives. So God keeps working on us and in us until we come to that level of glory in our life. Yes, it may go through suffering, but through that suffering, he restores our soul. He strengthens us. And he gives us all these different types of graces. You know, saving grace, transformation grace, sanctifying grace, enabling grace, glorifying grace, serving grace, and so many others. Because his desire is to bring us to the very level of glory where he stays. You know, it's impossible for us to, 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 go, to go and be with God without being prepared for it, okay? Now, we cannot prepare ourselves because we don't even need to, we don't even know what to prepare for. We don't even know what requirements there are. That's why God does that work in us. He does that work through grace. He does that work through the power of the Holy Spirit in our, in our life. And he begins to, you know, shape us afresh. Gives us a new future, a new life. Just like we have seen it in the beginning with Saul who became Paul. He shaped him. He transformed him. He made him into a new being. And that's beautiful. So God is busy in every one of our lives. Okay, sometimes we are lacking behind. Sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we want to do our own thing. Sometimes we are stubborn. But God is not giving up on us because he has a plan. And that plan is perfect. And only the grace of God can make this plan of God come to fulfillment in each and every one of us. Ah, this is amazing. All grace is for our benefits. All grace is for our benefits. And God wants our thanksgiving to overflow so that his grace again will be seen by everyone. And let me just read that one in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I start reading from verse 13. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. Praise the Lord. Okay? You know, hold on to that. The one who raised Jesus from the dead, he's also going to raise you. He's also going to raise me. You know, death is not the end. When our body dies, that's not the end. In fact, that's when total healing will come because God will give us a new body. And that is what we must understand. Okay? 
Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Wow, isn't that powerful? Okay. You know, a lot of people have a wrong idea when it comes to being rich. In terms of most people think being rich is having money. But some of the richest people in terms of money are the poorest creatures on the, in the world. Because they are trying to hold everything together. They are afraid that maybe the stock market is going to crash. Maybe thieves will come and steal. And, and, and so many concerns are there. Okay? But they don't have any clue that there is a wealth that is beyond money. Okay? The riches of God, the riches of his grace, the riches of his love, the riches of his kindness are far outweighing anything this world can ever know in terms of, 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 of money or, or of monetary value. And you are rich, you know? We are rich. You, you need to recognize the fact that God has given you his riches. His riches of glory are flowing through the channel of grace into your life. You see, glory always overflows. Okay? And the glory is channeled into our lives. God's glory is channeled to, into our lives. And when it comes to us, that's when we call it grace. And grace is the nature of God working in us so that we are fulfilling the very plan of God, the very purpose of God that has been laid down even before the foundation of this world. Okay, so when I talk about being rich, I don't talk about uh, those who, are, who have money or have plenty, but hold on to it with greed. They're actually poor people. You can actually feel pity on them. Okay, there are so many things that God has given to us which cost absolutely nothing. Yesterday in our youth meeting, I was mentioning a few things, you know, that we can do, you know, in order to bless others, in order to, to show grace to others. That costs us nothing, absolutely nothing. You can encourage somebody, you can serve somebody, you can smile at somebody, you can, you know, speak a good word to somebody. There are so many things that we can do that are actually free of judge for our daily living. God is a wonderful God. And, you know, when Jesus was here, he gave us a very important lesson that uh, is repeated in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 35. And it says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, we all know that, uh, you know, giving sometimes is hard, you know, and when, when, when you hear somebody talking about giving, you just try to stop up your ears, unless somebody promises you some good returns on it. But if it's just giving for the sake of giving, you know, we don't want to hear that. And yet, if we are children of the Most High God, then we must learn to be givers. 
Okay? In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay? If you have never learned to give, you're a poor fellow. Actually, you are to be pitied. Because the more you give, the more you will receive back. The other day, we had our meeting here uh, with our students, and we had a visitor, one of the gospel singers, Christine. And of course, you know, immediately she got up and she began to sing. You know, everybody was cheering. And uh, it gave me a good, a good entry point, you know. It says, you know, have you seen this lady, how you have been cheering her? Why, why did you cheer her? Because she has lifted your heart. She has given you. She has written songs. She is singing. And she's, she's really ministering to you. And now all of you are up in, 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 in joy and, you know, in uh, accolations because, because of the good things that have come to you. So in other words, she has given. But that's the very received back. It's much more than she has given. And so you must learn that. That's a very important lesson. We must learn to give, okay? It is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's how God has established his operating system. You know, God operates on a system of giving, okay? Every farmer knows the importance of giving, okay? When you have a seat, it doesn't help you to keep it in your, in your cupboard, Okay, or hide it somewhere in a corner of your house or your barn. You must put it into the ground. You must let it go. You must give it away. You must throw it on the ground. And somebody who is not farming, who has no idea about farming, somebody who comes from a big city, no, never seen any farming going on, he says, but it's a waste. Why are you throwing this thing away? You could have made a bread of it. Okay, or whatever. But every farmer knows, every gardener knows, you can only expect to return if you give. And the good thing is, you know, the way God created the world, and this is common grace, okay, that you put a seed into the ground and it will return to you not as one seed or as one fruit, but it will multiply. 40-fold, 50-fold, 60-fold, 80-fold, 100-fold, and even more. That's how we live. That's how we can make our, our world uh, you know, a wonderful place to live in. We could actually make it a paradise if only there would be no greed. If only people would not hold back. Because most of the money in this world is in the hands of a very small minority of people. Okay? 10% are the owners of most of the wealth of the whole world. And because they sit on it, they have captured it, you know, that money cannot do anything. Money must be spent. I've never, I've never kept money. When I was given money, I always spent it, okay? Not recklessly, but for good purposes. Because money is a seat. Hello, are you with me? 
And you must find good ground where to, where to put the seed. Don't, don't put money, don't, don't put your seed in the fire. You know, it doesn't help. There it will not grow. You must find good soil where it finds nourishment, where it is able to, to be sprouting and, 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 and be able to grow for a greater harvest. That's how God made the world. That's, that's what we call common grace. It works for everybody. It works for the sinners. And sometimes, you know, they're more clever than we believers. We say, God, let, let, let the money rain into my lap. And we don't do anything. No, we need to see, sow the seed into the ground, just like the others are doing. So we must follow the rules that are set down by God himself. So God created us to be vessels of his grace that he wants to see overflowing so that glory becomes visible in our lives. And when glory becomes visible in your life, it will be again to the glory of God. It will come back to him again. Praise the Lord. So we should be people of thanksgiving that bring glory to the Lord because of all the things that God is doing in our lives. Praise God. So God speaks about an overflow of grace. And that's what grace is all about. Grace is not poor. Grace is not, you know, given in little bits and pieces. Grace is always given in the manifold measure of God. Shaking together, running over. Okay? That's what God wants to see in your life. God's grace is supposed to become visible so that, you know, we can be able to give him signs and, and glory will, become, will, will be seen and will become a, a, a gift that we give back to God. Hallelujah. So we need to, we need to obtain an understanding of the all-surpassing grace of God. Let me, let me just read these uh, verses again. I've read in the beginning, but let me read this again. It's very important. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, especially verse 10. If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious in the past has no glory now. In, in comparison with the surpassing glory, some translations say all surpassing glory. You know, the, 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 the Greek is, is so powerful that it's just, you know, ah, overflowing, surpassing everything else. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much more or how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we are such a hope, we are very bold. You know, grace makes you bold. If you are not bold, if you are timid, it's because you don't get exposed enough to the grace of God. And you know, that is our responsibility. We need to expose ourselves to the grace of God. You know, we need to allow the grace of God to do its work in us. And 2 Corinthians 3.17 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Praise the Lord. You know, when you find people with narrow mind uh, and, 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 and who are so tied to what and rules and, 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 and legalistic stuff, then you know there's something missing there, okay? They, they lack grace because grace makes you open-minded, okay? Grace leads you into freedom, Okay? And we who with unveiled faces, that means we don't have to come and cover ourselves like Moses did, but we who come with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Ever-increasing glory. Ever-increasing glory. Wow, this is powerful. So in other words, that never stops. And, and you know, we have no clue that when we come first to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we think we have received, uh, you know, a lot. And yes, we have received a lot because new life can never be underestimated that comes from, from the hand of God. But that's just the beginning, okay? That's not an insurance policy, you know, should you die one day, then you can go to heaven. Actually, forget about going to heaven. We're not going to a place. We're going to a person. You know, we are called to Christ, not to a place. We got this wrong, okay? We got this totally wrong. So we are not getting an insurance policy that, so that we can have a, an entry ticket into, into heaven. No, we are people who seek to become close to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And Jesus is the one who says, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one will, will come to the Father except through me. So he doesn't say no one will come to heaven except through me. He says no one will come to the Father except through me. So our destiny is not heaven. Our destiny is the Father. And wherever the Father is, that's where heaven is. Amen? Amen. Wherever Jesus is, that's where heaven is. Amen? Heaven is, is not a place, you know, which you can have a key and unlock. No, heaven is Christ. Christ is bringing you to heavenly places. Okay, our, our journey is the journey to our Father that uh, Jesus will, you know, uh, take us by our hand, lead us into, into the new life in Christ, and then take us step by step until we are arriving at our Father's home. Okay, there's no way, no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So, being transformed into his nature, into his, into his life, with ever-increasing glory. Because, you know, if we want to go to where God is, then we need to be like God is. Okay? God is holy. And the Bible tells us very clearly, you know, be holy as I am holy. And, of course, no one can make himself or herself holy. We, we all need to have help to be transformed. And Jesus says, I'm going to transform you. Okay? I channel my glory through the channel of grace into your life so that you become holy. Okay? And let me tell you, even if there are many things that are still going wrong, wrong in your life, if you are still making a lot of mistakes in your life, I want to tell you, when God looks at you, 
If you're a child of God, then he looks at you as being holy already. Amen? In fact, he sees you as a saint because he doesn't see you in your old nature. He sees you in Christ. Because you get new life in Christ, not out of your own efforts. And that's why he doesn't look at your efforts. He looks at what Christ has given to you. And that's why we become saints. And Jesus is continuing with this exercise of bringing us to all surpassing glory, transforming us into his likeness with ever increasing glory. You know, Jesus is our model. If you want to know how you should be, then look at Jesus. And let me tell you, look at Jesus a lot. Don't just hear about Jesus every now and then or, 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 or don't, don't fear to spend time to, to look into the life of Christ because that's, that's the way God wants us to be, okay? Loving, kind, good. He wants to transform us into his likeness. Let me read you a scripture from the book of Ephesians chapter 1. I'm reading from verse 6. Ephesians 1 is a very powerful chapter. You should actually read it over and over and over again and even keep it in your heart. So verse 6 says, So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Wow. You know, if you belong to Jesus, then God pours his grace and more of his grace and more of his grace because you belong to him. You know, on the, on, on the, on the very fact that you have a relationship to Christ, he, he gives you more and more of his grace. Not just common grace, but specific grace. Grace that is unique and powerful. Okay? He is so rich in kindness and grace. Okay, that's what true, rich, true, true, true riches mean. Okay? So God is so rich in kindness and grace. Are you rich in kindness? Are you rich in grace? If not, there's no hindrance for you to become rich in kindness and in grace. Because he is willing to give you. You don't have to produce kindness out of a mean character because we can't. Okay? The fallen nature cannot be kind. The fallen nature is always stingy, is always greedy, is always uh, suspicious about the other. Okay? But when we are receiving the kindness of the Lord, we are going to be transformed. We are going to be changed miraculously. Okay? He's rich in grace. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, of the, his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us. Ah, I like this, you know. How many of you like a shower? You know, after you have been uh, out and about and you have been tired and sweating and, you know, isn't, isn't it good to get a shower? Okay. 
So God has showered us with his kindness. Along with all wisdom and understanding. Okay? I think no one of us can claim all wisdom and all understanding. But you know, as you're getting the shower on a daily basis, more of the wisdom and more of the, 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 the wonderful treasures of God will actually remain getting stuck inside of your heart and in your soul. And that's what should happen. All wisdom and all understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan or his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. Okay? Uh, I think we all know that uh, planning is very important. And sometimes we tell people, if you fail to plan, you, 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 you plan to fail. Isn't it? But the one who has taught us to plan is God. Because God is a planner. God is a designer. In fact, the Bible tells us right here in this very scripture, a little bit earlier, you can read it uh, in, in Ephesians 1. Uh, he tells us that before he started this universe, before the foundation of the world, before the universe came into being, he was designing each and every one of us. He was designing all the creatures that are in, on this planet Earth. And there's a, such a huge variety of, uh, you know, creatures on the ground, creatures in, this, in, the, in the water, creatures in the air. And of course, then there is us who have not been created like any other creature, but created in his own image and likeness. Praise God. So God planned. And the Bible tells us that God loved us. Even then when he designed us, he loved us and he decided what kind of grace, what kind of gifts, what kind of talents we should have. You didn't just arrive here and then, you know, you, you said, okay, where can I pick this and where can I pick that? You didn't even know what was going on. Talents and abilities and gifts were already in you when you were born, when you were conceived. Because God allotted this to you in his own Wisdom according to his very powerful plan. Okay? And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring together everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. So the plan centers around Christ. He's the tree of life. He's the source of all good things. He is so rich in kindness and grace. He lets his, his love and his goodness and his kindness flow to us every day. His kindness is new every morning. His faithfulness, his love is available for us every single day. So God follows a very perfect curriculum in order to bring us into our destiny to the all-surpassing glory, to the ever-increasing glory in God. Okay? God has a perfect curriculum sorted out. And if you only allow him to guide us, to lead us, to take us by our hand, or take the hand of the person that God sends to you. You know, Paul or Saul, when he was blind, he needed somebody to guide him 
because he was blind, he couldn't know where he was going, so he was like a baby, again taken to, to a certain place. And then God sent to him Ananias, and he says, Brother Paul, God sent me to pray for you, and he prayed for him, and his blindness was coming off like scales from his eyes. Because he was willing to take the hand of Ananias. And so God may give you a hand, okay, through somebody, through a person, maybe through a father in your family or through the father here in the congregation because God has, is also the originator of fathering grace. Amen? We'll talk about this another time. So God is rich. The God of all grace is sharing this grace. He's not stingy. I told you earlier on, you know, there are a lot of people who have got tons and tons of money. They don't even, they don't even know how much money they have because there's billions and, and you know, you, how can you spend billions of, 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 of dollars and whatever else? But the problem is they are greedy, they're stingy, they're not giving away. But God is not only the God of all grace, but he is also willing to share his grace. He's giving away. He's investing into your life. He's sowing a seed in, in your life. And that's how it is even becoming greater. Okay, so let's not forget. Our perfect model is Christ. In him we live and move and have our being. Amen? Outside of him, there is no real life. There is existence, but there's no life. Life, you know, described in scripture, has value that comes only from God. That's true life. The life that a lot of people in this world are living is, is just mere existing. Is that the existence? And that's why they're never happy. That's why they're ever complaining. That's why they're always going on the streets to, to demonstrate and throw stones and what have you. You know, so many things are happening because people are not having a fulfilled life. It's sad. That's what God wants us to have. So God's original plan was to share his love and his grace with all of us until finally we are actually right with him. And you know, when we are with him, who knows what, what new things, what new adventure are waiting for us in the presence of God. It is something that we cannot fully understand on us. So his tree of life, that is Christ. Christ is the tree of life. He's the tree of life, you know, provides us with a continuous flow of grace, love, and life. That's why it's called the tree of life. Makes sense, isn't it? And whatever flows from that tree of life comes from the very heart of God. Comes from the very glory of God, channeled into your life. And you know, grace makes God real to you because that means Christ is in you. And Christ in us, that's the hope of glory. Amen? So all of us are in need to let God work inside of our lives according to his perfect plan. A lot of things that God has planned for your life you have not even discovered yet. So ask him, Lord, what is your plan for my life? What have you got in mind 
for me to accomplish and achieve in life. Very often we rush to conclusions. We think, this is good for me. And then it fails because it is our own desire. It's not the desire of God. We thank God for his grace. We thank God for what he's doing in each and every one of our lives. Let him work. Good things are going to come to you, flowing from the very glory of God into your life through the channel of his grace. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm even getting support from music now, you see. <laughs> well, as I said in the beginning, we have lost our dear pastor, Richard Mbindawina. God has given me the pleasure to have known him for many, many years. I think I came to know him in 1988, if I'm not mistaken, maybe it could be 87 or 88, when we had a crusade in Kulima Tower Car Park, which is now a bus station, as you all know. And so we had that crusade, and of course people came, and then we had lunchtime fellowships, and, uh, you know, in this building next to, this high building next to, uh, to Kulima Tower Car Park, where people were working and they were on the windows listening to what was said because the, the PA system was very loud. Okay? The second day, this man comes to me and says, oh, yesterday I heard the message, so I thought today I should come and uh, introduce myself. And he told him he, he, that his name is Richard Bindawina. And he gave his life to the Lord at that particular time. Okay? And he has often told me, you know, he used to work in the mines. And when he was working in the mines, he had a lot of friends. And he says, most of these people have died many, many years ago because of the type of lifestyle they were following. And so he praised God for the grace that he has received, the many good things that he has seen in his life. After he gave his life to the Lord, he was so committed. You know, you must understand, he, he, stayed, he stayed in Lilaya at that particular time. And uh, we were gathering in Long Acres. Uh, we had church there. But the first one to arrive, the first one to arrive was always my brother Richard. He was opening the door of the church. He was preparing everything, was making sure that he dusted all the chairs. Okay. And then the people started coming slowly. You know, like our, our custom in Africa, we, we, we take time to come. But he didn't take time to come. He was always first. And so he became very instrumental in, you know, branch off. And when there was need for us to, to you know, branch off and uh, follow the migration route of God, he was one of the founder members of this, of this church. And we thank God for him. He was a great support to me personally. And we will miss him. I thank God for his life. And of course, you know, we, 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 we hope that God would do the miracle of, of, of healing his uh, body. In fact, he was actually a walking miracle. You know, the doctors discovered that he was living, I think, six months or more with a ruptured artery. And normally, when I heard that, you know, after the, the doctors came to bring the report, 
I said, how can somebody live with a ruptured artery? Because, you know, that means you lose blood, and when you have lost enough blood, then you die. But he lived with that ruptured artery, not knowing that this was happening in his, inside of his body. So we prayed. We had hope. You know, he went for, uh, for surgery on, on Thursday, and uh, it went well, you know. According to the doctors, everything went well. Came back out of surgery, he made good progress the first few hours, but then the, the, during the night, things became, became bad. And then they found that, you know, the, some of the organs were not functioning properly. Uh, who knows, you know? Our, our body is very complex. So we, we, we hoped, we prayed for God to do a miracle so that uh, he could have been healed and still be with us for more years to come. It was not to be. You know, our, our ways are not God's ways. God chose to call him home. And of course, that is the, the greatest miracle of all because now he has not just a healing which is uh, giving him the ability to have a more, for few more years, but now he got a new body. The Bible calls this a resurrection body. Okay? And, and you know, to me, this is, uh, this is amazing. As hard as it may be, we must understand that God has a wonderful journey for us. You know, our journey will come to an end sooner or later here in this world. Our body will not be always giving us service, this body of flesh and blood. And of course, the Bible says very clearly that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's why we are here. That's why we are still on earth. That's why we are still, you know, having a certain, uh, a certain uh, separation between the physical world and the spiritual world. But our brother has gone to be with the Lord. That separation is no longer there. That body that gave him uh, pain in the last few months through this ordeal is now long, no longer felt because God has replaced that which was of this world with something of his own world, which is full of glory. And you know, that is, that is beautiful. So let us look at our brother as a, as a shining example of what the Lord has done. Just like the Apostle Paul says, you know, uh, his grace was sufficient for me. By the grace of God, I am who I am. And this is what our brother was able to testify. I am who I am because of the grace of God. And his, his grace was not in vain in his life. And let me tell you, his grace is not in vain in your life. Paul said his grace was not without effect in my life. You can see the effects. You can read it in scripture. And if you read somebody's life, like our dear brother, Pastor Minderwina, you can see that his grace was not without effect. So may God be with us as we mourn our brother. Let's pray for the family. Let's not, not forget that uh, when death comes, it always has an, you know, 
a painful effect on our lives. We who are remaining behind, we feel the pain. We feel the loss. We, we, we need to get the comfort of the loss. For him, he's in a better place. But for us and the family, for his wife, for his children, for the bigger family, they are going through grief. And so let us pray for them. And let us, as a, as a part of the family to whom our brother belonged, be really standing with the family in this particular difficult time. Let us pray together. Lord our God, I want to thank you that you are the God of all grace. And Lord, not only are you the God of all grace, you're not holding it as if you don't want to lose it. To the contrary, you have given grace upon grace. And each and every one of us can tap into your grace. And may it be true to all of us that we have received grace upon grace continuously because we are connected to Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for my brother's life. It's a life worth celebrating. He's a great example to all of us. And I pray, Lord, that may his spirit of service, his spirit of dedication be picked up by many others here today who are saying, okay, he's gone, but I want to step into his footpaths and walk the very route that he has gone. So Lord Jesus, at this moment in time, we extend our thoughts to the family, especially to his wife, to his children, and their families, Lord. And may your grace be overflowing in their lives. Even in situations like this, this word that is our theme for this year is becoming true. God is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus, you became weak and you even died so that we become rich, rich of eternal life rich of grace, rich of your wonderful blessings that you have brought for all of us. Thank you, Jesus, for your comforting hand upon our lives. And we pray, Lord, that the comfort of Christ be with the family at this moment, even in the days of mourning and the days of uh, up to the funeral and even thereafter. Lord Jesus, we give you honor, we give you praise, we thank you for your wonderful presence. You are a loving God. Lord, we look forward to join you like our brother has done. It will be a glorious day, a day when glory will overflow in our lives as never ever before. And thank you, Lord, that this is now happening already in the life of our dear brother. To you be the glory the honor, the praise, the adoration. Lord, 
We can't have enough words to express you are the one who is our Father. And we look forward to come to your heart, into your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say, Amen. Amen.